Welcome to Life Karma. Here comes the sun. Yeah, that's the first uh, Beatles song that my son said he likes. That's sick. Oh. Welcome, everyone. Such a good song. The Beatles bring us in today. They did. <clears throat> BA here. SB. Mr. Bracken uh, made me buy a car this week. So I bet he made me buy the sickest car out there. So thank you, by the way. Oh, it is sick? Yes. Sport mode. <laughs> that was an added bonus, wasn't Didn't it? Didn't even notice the sport mode until like two freaking days later. But he convinced me to buy a Ford Raptor. I'm not the first truck I've ever bought. Ford Raptors are hard to get these days. Yes. And they're sick. They're bug out vehicles. They're like end of days vehicles. I told Sam, if the world ends in November by whoever wins this election, you know the other party's going to think it's rigged. I said, so if the world ends in November, I need someone to pack up and get the freak out. And the Raptor can do that. The Raptor. In sport mode in the mountains. <laughs> Felt like I needed a big American flag flying from that thing. Oh, yeah. A lot of people do that. Just make sure it's not, you know, any kind of rebel flag because then you'll... <laughs> then you're gone, though. You're a racist. You're gone, though. They'll torture truck and beat you up. <sighs> so we had Independence Day, the 4th of July last week. Celebrating America's birthday. Mer America, America's America. birthday. America's birthday. Yeah, and so... We decided we're going to talk about freedom. What, freedom. What the heck does freedom mean, really? Freedom. What is freedom? I don't know what freedom is. This is my question for you about freedom. I've been thinking about this last couple of days. Because we enjoy freedom here in America, do we have the freedom then to destroy it? Yes. So I've been, I've been uh, contemplating freedom a lot. I, I'm all for freedom. And I think uh, when you try to take away someone's freedom... It's truly evil. Yeah. I think yeah. we are beings that are free. Um, what, what can be happening to us is bad, but we're always free to respond in a positive way. So anything that takes away someone's freedom, I'm against. Well, you're born into this country. There's certain freedoms that are taken away. For instance, you got to pay taxes. You don't have to pay taxes. Okay, but there's consequences for not paying taxes. Oh, yeah, taxes. there are consequences for not paying taxes. Okay. You also have to have a social security number. You don't have to have a social security number. No, they give it to you before. You, I mean, like, you don't even have a choice. I mean, you're a child. Right. They assign you one. Yes, they do. Okay. So I was trying to think of what else you don't have freedom over. Um, you don't have freedom over what color you're born. Except side note here. Do you know there's such a thing as transracial? Like you don't know whether you're black or white? No, you get to choose. With your, well, if you have mixed, if you have mixed no, genealogy. No. no. You, like I can be a white person and identify as a black person? Not even better. You can identify as a black woman. <clears throat> That's transsexual, trans... Racial. Transracial, transsexual. So what's the acronym for that? I don't know. But I just... I actually had the thought, I'm like, I wonder if transracial exists. And then I Google it. Oh, yeah, it exists. Yeah. So so the great irony, the great irony for me this week, Brian, as yes. we celebrate our... As they try to get you sidetracked. No, no. I mean, no. You, this is good. Good conversation. The great irony for me as we celebrate our independence and our freedom is we have groups that are taking away other people's freedom in the name of freedom. Yes. 
This is what's troubling to me. But is that taking away people? Okay, give me your well, example that I'm going to. I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to protest. I'm going to be a protester and I'm going to turn violent and I'm going to loot and burn your business down. Right. So you're going to take away that person's ability to be a business person, operate with. You're going to steal from them. You're going to take away their freedom to operate business safely. Okay. But in the name of freedom. To me, that's great irony. Okay. Well, do they assume, <clears throat> but does a business assume the risk by having a business downtown? I of mean, course they assume there's always risk. Uh, there's always risk. Well, that's what I'm Everything has here. a trade off. Everything has risks. Right. I mean, but the people, okay. So this is the, the people looting and the people destroying. I, I think they don't have a duty. This is interesting. Hear me out on this. I wonder if your opinion is that they have a duty to protect the business owner's freedom to have a business. Or is that the duty of the police officer and the people that have been elected to protect that freedom to have a business? I mean, who whose duty is it to really protect that freedom? So I know under the law, like the Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the Bill of Rights. Yes. Those, um, those establish certain freedoms mm-hmm. and our constitutional rights are supposedly guaranteed by public safety officials, by law enforcement by officials, by, by police officers, which is part of the government, which is part of the government. So when you're a policeman or a policewoman, you take an oath to defend the constitution. So your rights, my rights, our constitutional rights, the front line of our constitutional rights Right, are protected by law enforcement. So this is why defund the police, like this idea of defunding police, mm-hmm. moves toward anarchy because all of our rights as citizens, our constitutional rights, they're really enforced by law enforcement. Right. Right. So the problem that we have is that law enforcement makes errors. They they have problems. They. Well, Things aren't that. completely um, well, copacetic think, there. Well, I think the problem, too, is we've made our laws so difficult to understand. Uh, so, so going back to my point, though, I don't think it's the duty of the looter to protect the freedom of the business owner. I think it is the duty of our government. And when the government refuses to do that, that's, in my opinion, where we run into problems. Yeah, when the government chooses not to have law enforcement officials enforce the law. Because they're scared. Or defend our constitutional rights. Because they're scared they won't be reelected. I mean, let's, let's get right down to it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So the great irony for me was, um, what was the name? I can't, it changed so many times in Seattle. Like it was Chop, Chop Zone. The Chop Zone. Autom- autonomous Zone. Uh, autonomous, yeah, whatever, autonomous, whatever. Autonomous, whatever. So what happens is, you know, that's going to be the summer of love. Yeah. It's gone right? now. So as soon as the, the governor or the mayor, I'm, mayor. Uh, the mayor, mayor. They, have, they have a protest <laughs> on the mayor's house in, in her home. Yeah, right in front of her house. Right in front of her house, scares the crap out of her. What happens the very next day? <laughs> cops come in, beef, just just disband everything. That's the thing, though. If I was the cops, I'd be like, "Really, you want me to come protect you?" Right. In the meantime, a couple teenage boys are killed. Yeah. There's all sorts of extortion and drug, you know, all sorts. Who knows? I'm sure it'll take years to find out all the crime that happened during that time. But, but um, that's our anarchy, right? Uh, that, so that's beyond anarchy. Yeah, that's that's true wickedness and it's taken freedoms away for all those citizens that lived in that zone their freedom the right to private property um all that kind of stuff th- those freedoms were taken away by a gang mm-hmm. a cadre of anarchists and i'm like well 
That's the thing is like, but here's the problem I've always had then with this is I agree with everything within our borders our government should protect. So why do we go outside our borders? For example, Vietnam. I mean, I think there's other reasons, but I mean, why did we go in there to stop a communist, you know, society? So, so you, you have this, um, you have this prevailing paradigm in the last, in the 19th century, 20th century, right? Right. That democracy is good. Correct. That democratic Republic is good and um, that we fight for freedom. And when we look at Vietnam or these other places, right, one prototype explanation is that we were trying to liberate people who were oppressed. Right. So um, the oppression of Saddam Hussein, the oppression of um, the Viet Cong uh, against the Vietnamese, or the oppression of Hitler. And well, why is that our job? It's not our job. I don't think so either. I mean, and, we, and that's, yeah. but that was the prevailing perception right. because um, when you have people out there taking away freedom, mm-hmm. right? Perceived freedom. Perceived freedoms. Well, because, I mean, when you take people, people's, when you don't give people the right to property. Or, yeah, but here's the thing though. It's like maybe, I mean, look at our country. I think, I think we're, I think there's more people now that would like to move to a more socialistic and they would give up freedoms willingly to do that. So what if in Vietnam, I don't know, you know, they wanted to give up those freedoms to have a communist state. Well, that would be their choice. Right. But then why would we interrupt that? Well, that that's the whole question. Yeah. So there's an old, another prototype that all these wars and stuff were fought mm-hmm. to uh, to fuel for money. For oh, gain. It's always about money. Yeah, to make money, to sell weapons and just, you know. All that kind of stuff to rebuild and we went to Iraq for money totally for money yeah so um so because otherwise we'd be bombing north korea right now i mean you want to talk about an oppressed people they're pretty oppressed like we'd be bombing the crap yeah. out you of don't them. think the chinese are oppressed yeah we've be ever been to china too. i've been to china i've not been to china i've been to Maine. i've been to like beijing man yeah no thanks it's freaky yeah no thank you no it's i went well, it's I went to very it. I went weird to it. i went to it I don't even want to leave the country right now. I wouldn't even want to leave Australia. They just locked down again in Australia over like 30 cases. Yeah. Well, I thought Australia had no new cases. No, it was like Melbourne just locked down again over like 45 cases or something stupid. Yeah. It's like, what is freedom? What is freedom? So, so to me, freedom is the ability to rise above your class, right? To, to have class mobility. Uh, have a path to mm-hmm. to die rich, being born poor. It's the it's the quickest path in in all the world, right? I don't think you it can is. do this anywhere else as fast in the United States. No. So part of this freedom, you know, and this is I think a lot of what um, our black brothers and sisters are upset about is that they don't think they have the same freedom opportunity. Well, they freedom don't think they be- have the same opportunity, but they're still free. Correct. Under the law, they're free. <clears throat> Under the law, they're free. But, but the biases, their whole point is the biases keep. Well, the biases and the opportunity come from a lack of money, which comes from a lack of education. And so, in my opinion, a lack of true intelligence and in teaching wealth. And so I don't, I don't think. So that would enrage my black brothers and sisters, right? You know that, right? Really? Because that's what they would piss them off. Well, they, 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 but they've been screwed that way. Have they not? Oh yeah. Well, they want reparation, right? They want that's reparation for, my, for but, hundreds of years of yeah, oppression. But I think there's a different way to do reparation than they want. But I, I think, I think you told me that reparation for you would be like educate path education. 
Yes, it would be. I mean, I mean, I've talked to a lot of school principals, school counselors, school people, teachers, and they just said the things that would help the most in inner city schools or schools of poverty or even schools of poverty for white kids, black kids, doesn't matter, any minorities, is having a counselor there and having true good teachers and sufficient funds to be able to educate these children correctly. Think about it. I mean, the kids that go to the best schools usually make the most money. Education is a... Education is a key. Well, it's the key to awareness. And the more aware mm-hmm. you are, the greater freedom you have. Yeah. And, and the more choices you have. No, so here's what I believe. So the, um, your consciousness drives your awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your awareness, the more awareness you have, learning, right? The more, and the, what feeds Edu- awareness yeah. is learning and education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more uh, education and the more awareness you have, the more choices you have, and the more... Um, likelihood you you are you are to achieve the less you are aware the more you live in ignorance the less education you have the less likely you are to achieve right yes and and um and we're supposed to be free to pursue that life liberty and and pursuit, uh, of, pursuit happiness. of happiness that everyone is born with certain unalienable rights you know that they are free right they have these basic right. freedoms for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, the, the right to have personal property, the right to work or not work, the right to get an education or not get an education. Right. But all those, um, those kinds of things aren't delivered up in an equal framework to people no. of different cultures and different color. No. Right? No, there's not. It's, it, I think that's where we've kind of failed our society in, is that Education is supposed to be equal K through 12. I just don't think it is. Oh, it's totally not. And so that's depending on where you live. We need to fix that. I remember when I was a kid. Okay. Okay. We were very poor. My parents sacrificed a great deal to move to an apartment that would put me in a public school area. that was a brand new school and that had really good academics and good sports programs. Cause they wanted me to have the same opportunities as the rich kids. Yeah. And a lot of kids where I went to school, a lot of them were mid- middle class and middle to upper class and rich today. It's not so because of the way that Vegas has grown, it's different. But back then I had probably the best high school education that I could get in the state of Nevada. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I would have went to Bishop Gorman high school, which was a Catholic school, probably got a little bit better education, yeah. but it would have been hard. Mm-hmm. So I would have never been able to get through Georgia tech academically if I wouldn't have went to Chaparral High School and at the time was a really good academic school and really had really great sports programs Mm. etc but my parents sacrificed to get me in that position I think my color helped me I don't think it hurt me I think the fact that I'm white you know it helped Um, but I had friends that were black that did the same thing yeah good kid a friend of mine that um that I played football with in high school his name was Eric Jordan he was a year ahead of me he got a full ride scholarship to Purdue, went to mm. Purdue, um, you know, great Boilermaker, you know, right. He was a great, I think he was all American, like all American running back. He's mm. unbelievable gifted dude. Um, graduated from Purdue and runs a successful business in Vegas now. Mm. And he's black. He's black, African-American. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so he took advantage of that. Now, I don't know what Eric had to go through in college and he right. played in the pros for a little while. So he played in the pros, so, but I don't know what what barriers he had that kept him from that. But he did the same thing that I did. Mm-hmm. And he was black and I was white. 
you know, certain things would have been probably hard. I think he had more of a, uh, I think he probably had more of a middle-class family. And I was, you know, a dirt bag, like poor white trash. And yeah. so I had maybe a, things were a little harder for me and maybe a little easier for him, but I was white. He was black. So, you know, when you get comparing suffering, I think that's when you get in a problem. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because you, know. you say, okay, you know, my life's worse than yours because you had, I had this, this, this. It's all relative. It's all relative, right? You know, the thing about it is everybody has suffers. Everybody has pain. Yes. And everybody, um, you know, has setbacks, but not everybody handles those setbacks and that pain in a way that makes them better and people are this is my this is my point that i want to get to our audience bad things happen to everybody everyone whether you're black or brown or white or yellow whether you're rich or poor whether you're educated or not educated bad things will happen to you i guarantee you yes but not everybody chooses to make those bad things work for their benefit well, some people don't believe that they have a choice. I mean, that, that's because they that are point. ignorant to the fact that they do have a choice. What's happening to them may be bad. The way they respond can be good. It's their choice. Yeah, but the, the, they're thinking also that they don't have a choice because they're they're saying that you and me as white males making that choice have a better road to fix it. Yeah, that's fine. But then you're comparing suffering. So they're saying it's easier no, for you because you're white. I think they're and, saying it under like, well, they, well, no, because then they hit you up with all the stats of how many uh, per capita black men or CEOs no, 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 or no, no, white no. men, all those kinds yeah, of Yeah, so stats. fine, fine. You're right. It's harder for black black men to raise in business and to be successful. It was probably harder for Eric Jordan than Sam Bracken. But guess what? As soon as you go there, as soon as you go there, you're, you're, on, you're on faulty ground because, okay... But are you though? I mean, think about it. Like, yeah, yeah. Because guess what? Ground? Let me tell you what. His life is evidence that he got his shit together. And he made something out of it. No, life. no, I agree. Because there you. was a path to his success. Right, but and that's he the, chose that path. But and it mindset, may have been harder than mine. Yeah, but but he chose that path. I get, I get. He's chosen that path, and he did it. But then that goes right back to my ultimate problem: is education is we're not teaching. You can call it school education or just like normal logical education, whatever, that we're not teaching that those opportunities really exist. We're allowing other people to control the conversation. There's no doubt that primary education for black young men and women or Hispanic young men, young men and women are at a distinct disadvantage. Correct. And that's what we need to fix. We, I agree with you completely, yeah. but you know what? My high school friend, Eric Jordan, he made it out. And guess what? I can give you 30 examples of my teammates at Georgia Tech who, right. by which like every one of them that got a degree, they're kicking ass. They're, right. And, but but they you were, know what? But they made it through as athletes. Yeah. But let me tell you something. When they stop being athletes, like a lot of my black friends, my black teammates, Chuck Easley and others, when they graduated from Tech and they didn't play pro and they went into the work with a degree, with a Georgia Tech degree, mm-hmm. the obstacles they faced were ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure. They weren't like the obstacles I faced. No. Right. And my point is, guess what? They faced unfair. The game was unfair for them. They had bigger and worse obstacles. But you know what? They chose to make something out of their lives. And well, they're kicking. And you know what? They're kicking ass for well, the most part. They found a path. They found a path, yeah, right? Yeah. So, but some don't even know the path exists. Right. Because of ignorance. Well, is it? I mean, that's, that's interesting. I don't know if it's ignorance. I think it's. They I, have, I think sometimes it's ignorance. And I think sometimes it is. They don't have the correct support system. No, it's conditioning, like it's family yes. conditioning. It's well, uh, generational per- con- conditioning. So this leads me perfectly into something. 
Good. You didn't expect that I'd be full of no, piss and vinegar no, about I did this, not, did you? No, I did not. But uh, <laughs> I don't think we're as much Marce- off as we think. Marcellus Wiley breaks down the NBA's plan to paint Black Lives Matter on courts is a bad idea. And this is a black guy that played in the NFL, and he's on ESPN. And I just no Fox Sports, sorry. And I want to play it for you, Sam. Have you have you heard this quote yet? I mean, have you heard him on the radio talk about this? Black I Lives Matter? I haven't yet, no. All right, let's play this. I think I'm still hooked up. Tell us, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Is this a good idea? Ah, uh, it's not a good idea. Um, I do want to give the players credit for their flex to even get this to be more than just an idea, but something that's going to be in reality. I give the players that. Um, but there's a problem with when you start to go down this road of the freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and... How much social space is allowed for those who don't support in that same space? And that's where I I wonder where this is going to go in terms of identity politics. We know what identity politics does. Uh, It it divides and it polarizes. No matter how you want to look at it, that's just the effect of it, no matter how great the intentions are. And we all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So it's an interesting play right here. I don't know how many people really look into the mission statement of Black Lives Matter. But I did. And when you look into it, there's a couple things that jump out to me. And I'm a black man who's been black and my life has mattered since 1974. And this organization was founded in 2013. I'm proud of you. But I've been fighting this fight for me and for others a lot longer. Two things. My family structure is so vital and important to me. Not only the one I grew up in, but the one I'm trying to create right now. Being a father and a husband, that's my mission in life right now. How do I reconcile that, what I just told you, with this mission statement that says, quote, we dismantle the patriarchal practice. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. When I know statistics, when I know my reality, forget statistics, I knew this before I even went to Columbia and saw these same statistics that I'm going to read to you right now. That children from single-parent homes versus two-parent homes. The children from the single-parent homes, this is in 1995 I was reading this. Five times more likely to commit suicide. Six times more likely to be in poverty. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Fourteen times more likely to commit rape. Twenty times more likely to end up in prison. And 32 times more likely to run away from home. I knew that. You know why I knew it? Because a lot of my friends didn't have family structures that were nuclear like mine, and they found themselves outside of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So when I see that, or as a mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it makes me scratch my head. When I also see their mission is to eradicate white supremacy, in 2020, white supremacy is the mission. Ooh, that's a lot of digging through minutia right there. I am on a show that I'm hosting along with another black guy who is hosting with me who replaced another black guy. And that's just one example of it. So I understand. I respect your space. I respect what you're protesting for. But will you respect others who don't support that same protest? How about that? that that's very well articulated. That's powerful. Because I wasn't raised in a nuclear family at all. You were not. And I had a lot of struggle because of that shit. Well, I told you, how many times have I told you this, that because of your upbringing, you have overcome a lot more odds than I have because of my upbringing. So are we... But but I don't want your upbringing. 
Well, you, you don't want my upbringing. Like the point is, I'm not going to compare myself to you. Let me tell you what the reason we have this podcast is because you were raised differently than me. My friend Chuck Easley, my teammate Chuck Easley was raised differently than me. He's had to go through shit that I'd never had to go through. Yeah. Black athlete, great athlete at Georgia Tech, right? Right. That everybody's raised differently. Right. And the moment we start comparing, we we it screws the pooch. Well, right? it does. It does. And difference and difference in this point, instead of I'm in my corner, you're in your corner, Chuck's in his corner, right? We're all in different corners and we all fight about our differences. Nothing, nothing gets done. What is life karma all about? It's about understanding differences, celebrating differences, and having a damn conversation. Yeah. Respecting one another. Right. But listen, but, but this is why what, we're here. What, this is why we're he here. Ended it. He's like, okay, I'll respect your space to protest, but are you going to respect mine right. to disagree yeah. with you? That's the problem we face. Yes. Because a lot of the movement right now is we're right. We're maniacal about taking away everybody's freedom as I'm, you know, I'm going to march and, and because we were dealt with unjustly, I want to take away everybody's freedom now. That's what it is. Right. It's my freedom is so right that yours is so yeah. wrong. Right. And instead of saying, okay, what can we find that we agree with? So um, before I left Franklin Covey, I was, I was really fortunate to work on a book. It was Dr. Covey's last book. Mm -hmm. My friend Breck England and I and Dr. Stephen Covey worked on this book called The Third Alternative. Right. And it was a fabulous piece of work. If, if you guys haven't read this book, it's a very good book. It's very long. It's 100,000 words. But it teaches you a way to be fascinated and be excited about if someone sees something differently, that it's a possibility for you to learn. Yes. Right. And one of the premises of getting through these conversations is something they teach you the skill sets. Really cool. It's like, OK, let's say you and I have a disagreement. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're trying to negotiate a solution. Right. And I say to you, Brian, if you can get exactly what you want. Right. And I could get exactly what I want. Would you agree that let, we could work toward that? that end of course like let's just say let's put everything to the side here and let's say you get everything you want i get everything i want and if we can agree that my job is to help you get what you want and your job is to help me get what i, what I want um then it's just creativity and hard work away from finding the answer mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and your way may be good my way may be good but what we're going to do is we're going to find a third alternative a third better way that's better for you and better for me where we're not negotiating Right. Mm -hmm. We're not you're having to give up and I'm having to get up to get to get a third worse way to some marginalized bullshit agreement. Instead, what we're saying is that if we really work on this understanding and heaven forbid, you may change your mind, but yeah. you'll come up. You could with creativity and hard work, you come up with a solution that no one's ever done because you're collaborating. You're you're. You you're know what my helping lawyer, one another. Yeah, but you know what my lawyer mind thinks? Yeah, that, that's that. ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. That you're just changing the, the perception of the deal. Are you? I think, I mean, I, I, without going through an example, like I'm trying to think of examples of like in the law where it's like we come up with a third alternative that gets everybody what they want. The problem becomes, in my opinion, I always have to say that. In my opinion, the problem becomes when somebody wants something that the other perceives as unreasonable. For example, in divorce, I want a million dollars a month in alimony. Well, we only make a hundred thousand dollars a year. There's no way. I know that's a very bad example, but there's no, no but way what, that, what that I would happens. Say, so what, what I would say is that the person that wants a million dollars a month wants financial security. 
Right. You're changing the perception of the deal. Right. So you're saying, okay, you want financial. What I hear you saying when you say I want a million dollars a year is you want financial security. Yeah. And how can you provide financial security in my mind? What financial security is when we don't consider financial security the same thing? Well, I can just tell you, we can look at the facts and the facts say that I make a hundred thousand a year and uh, I can't pay you a million dollars a year because the facts, I don't have a million dollars a year to pay you. Right. But there you go. That's the, that's what I'm saying is it's just changing the perception of the deal because you, I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with this in the law is no matter what the facts are, they are not the facts. Okay. So facts are not facts. No. So is this the news? Are you, are you one of the news? And this is what I am. You're people in the news because facts are not the facts. You just make up shit. And this is what causes conflict within society is facts are not facts. It's this, you could sit here and say all day long that certain people have the same opportunities of you as you do. But if they don't believe that to be a fact, then it is not a fact. So what comes to my mind is if your perception is your reality, that doesn't make it a fact and it doesn't make it true. It doesn't make yours a fact either. Your perception as a reality does not make yours a fact. This table, you have scissors in your hand. I know. I'm like, I'm going to cut you. That's a fact. He's going to stab me, people. He's going to cut me with these scissors. Yeah, but the scissors. fact that you have scissors in your hands, you know, about to stab me, um, it's a fact. I'm not making that shit up. Yeah, you are, because these are not scissors. They are... Oh, they're not scissors. There's a special... These are a special cutting utensil. Well, do they cut paper? No, I don't know. I mean, the knives cut paper. My hands can cut paper. Are they scissors? You can use that as a knife. You can stab me with it. Well, you can use it as a knife. Therefore, it's not scissors. But that's just bullshit, and you know it. Well, your perception's your reality, and my perception's mine. Look, let's 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 go to the dictionary, shall we? And let's look at a picture. Who wrote the dictionary? You, uh, yeah, guess what? Um, <laughs> not one person wrote the dictionary. But this is the pro- this like is, a, It but, was written by a, a collective, and that's why I would say that in finding this alternative, is we got to establish common facts. You don't get to a third way of doing things unless we all perceive the issue the same way. Right. So now you're getting somewhere. It's called common ground. Well, yeah. You negotiate, you, you do business deals, you get married on on common terms, on common ground. That's the thing is I can't tell you how many times I fought over like one word in a sentence. So when I was a missionary, when I was a full-time religious zealot, I learned very, <laughs> I learned very early not to argue with people and talk about differences. No, you just ask questions. All I would do is I would say, well, tell me what you believe. And then whenever they would tell me what they believed that I believed, I'd Boom. say, I believe the same thing. We yeah. have a common, you know, you believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. That's not true though. You know, we both believe in Jesus. I believe in a different Jesus. Yeah. Well, well. I'm just you, saying, I'm just saying, I know. Well, no, trust me. I, I ran, you I, ran I, into this too. I did. I totally ran into yeah. you. You believe in a different Jesus than I do. Well, I'm like, well, listen, I believe in Jesus of Nazareth, born of Mary, died on the right. cross when he was 33, lived in Palestine, was resurrected on the third day. Like, I think I believe in pretty much the same Jesus you believe in. Can I, can I go off topic for one second? Please. Do you know who's, do you know who was buried in the Mount of Olives in Israel? A lot of Jews. I know that. But also, like I've been there. Do you know that uh, Gaylene Maxwell, that Epstein's like Madame for others, child pedophile sex ring kind of thing? Her dad was buried there. Is her dad Jewish? Well, because that's because it's know. a Jewish burial area. The the the, the, the yeah, but they it's, think it's he all was like the, a spy for them. 
for Israel. Well, I just, uh, there's, Sorry, there's, just thousands of people, there's thousands of so people. There's thousands of people buried. 33 died. I no, saying. I mean, there's th- thousands of people buried on that in that area. Yeah, but I think Mount you have to like, get special permission to get. Well, that. these days, because there's been so many people buried on the Mount of Olives. Yeah, I don't know. You yeah. know, just a lot. That resurrection is going to be wild. Oh, yeah, it's going to be crazy it's town. Wild. Right. Do you believe in the resurrection? <laughs> I believe in the resurrection. Wild. Yeah, so, but the point is, um, I am no longer interested in arguing with people. What I'm interested really? in, you don't no. find it fun? No, I find you, it way fun. You argue with me, but fun. Well, let me tell you what I find fun talking about what we believe that's the same. But th- that, okay. That's why we make good. That's why we make good podcasts together because I throw you for a loop because you just are trying to pick fights with me all the damn time. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm fascinated by, I want to, I want to get better and learn from you. So like, but eventually, I mean, at times I, uh, I shift your thinking. That's true. Right. At times you shift my thinking. So we've said this, I think last time we talked, um, we said this last time in our last podcast that, um, I probably, (laughs) I'm probably more contentious now because I've been friends with you for several years. God bless America. And hopefully you're loving people more because nope. Nope. (laughs) I I still got to work on you people like people. I got to work on it. I'm never going to love society. I'm not talking about loving society. I have a very close knit group of people I care for and love, but it ain't that big. Well, I'm not saying it needs to be that big. I'm saying it's the greatest power in the universe. It, well, it's not that either. Christ is the strongest power in the universe. Yeah, because of what? Because he could love more than anybody. Because he has more power than everybody. God loves for, for God so, intelligence. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Like, I'm sorry, this is waxing religious. I don't mean it to be, but, that, well, but I mean, it's a good example. Argue it. Well, I mean, more wars and more... Uh, more <laughs> War has been fought over religion than any other thing. Women and religion, right? And why do people fight to take away your freedom? Because of religion and differences, right? Yeah, you can't even sing in California right now at church. Yeah, you can't because, you know, you'll pass the dreaded COVID. So again, let's getting back to this (laughs) independence and freedom. Sorry, yes. So what's happening to us is bad. All this kind of crazy stuff is bad. But you know what? I was in meetings all day today. I probably washed my hands at least 15 times. I wore a mask the whole day, right? I chose to do that, right? Because I, I picked out of respect. It's sad though. It is. I did too. I was in Salt Lake all day today and I wore a mask. It was sad. Yeah, sad. But you know what? I chose to do it. There are a lot of people choosing not to do it. Yeah. It's a lot more. Um, the moment you try to regulate that and legislate that, yeah, that's a problem. Those are that those are people's personal preferences. There's this. Have you seen all that shit about the science behind carbon monoxide? You have your your CO2, your yeah. carbon monoxide levels are massively increased. Your oxygen level goes down as you're wearing a mask. Like it could be bad for your health. But the problem is nowadays is like you can find something that says the opposite. Because you're saying the truth is what you ever just make well, up. That's right. It's your perception. And that's why we got to find common ground on this crap. And so I, I feel like the common ground is some people gave in on, on the mask stuff, right? So I got a really powerful question for you. You're going to yeah. hate me. Oh, about boy. You're not going to like this question. Love does not heal COVID. No, no, no. It's, no, it's not that. <laughs> Explain to me the principle of ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If I make up my own truth yep. and you make up your own truth. Who's free? How do you know the truth and be free? You don't. In really? That, in that situation, you don't. If my but, truth but that's contradicts religious... your truth, then, then there is no freedom. If my truth contradicts your truth, there is no freedom. If 
we want to interact. If we don't want to interact and we have clear boundaries, then yeah, my, my truth does not affect your freedom and your truth does not affect mine. But our truth can dramatically improve our friendship and our ability to work with one another. If we have a common truth, yes. What do you think religions are? Well, I don't know, man. I, They're I common mean, like, truths. Like you, you, you have, have a set of beliefs. principles. Yes. You, yes. you, you know, well, you then, know. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yes, that's true. Religions, groups, uh, clubs, whatever yeah. you want to call them. Yes. That's why sports teams, fans are so strong. Like seriously, they yeah, because they have a collective purpose, purpose. right? So, so the thing that really gets me out of whack here is when you think you don't have a choice, that very thought is the incorrect thought. You always have a choice. Then this is what's causing people to propagate all this crazy shit out there. Correct. They don't think they have a choice. That's my and point. And that yes, thought is don't. the error. That's an error so in thinking. I, but that's my point is like they really don't believe that. They, they, I want to believe that they sincerely believe they don't have a choice. No, I, I honestly think they do. I that. do too. But, and so, but, they but make how you, do we fix that? But that's you, my issue. Well, how do we you fix that? You understand that when you think you, you don't have a choice or you're compelled to do anything, right? You're like people make more mistakes when they think I didn't have a choice. I had to do this. You know, I don't have a choice. I have to loot and burn this building. I, I oh, bullshit. A, you had a choice. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, you're just it. saying that to yourself. Yeah. When, when I, yes. whenever I've had the most amount of despair in my life. Yes is when I think I didn't, I have to do something because I don't have a choice. Whenever I felt like I had the most personal freedom in my life yeah. is when I've said, I'm free to do whatever I want. Yeah, listen to Abraham Lincoln. Those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. And under the rule of a just God cannot long retain it. Oh man, that is some wise shit right there. Then he's going a t-shirt with Abraham Lincoln. On I mean, he, right there. He says, you don't get to deny other people's freedom because if you do, you don't deserve it. Right. And this is what folks don't understand. No. You want to take away my freedom because I've worked hard to get what I've gotten, you know, which has nothing to do with you, by the way. It no. has to do with me. Right. Right. So you're going to take away my freedom. You don't deserve your own freedom. So these people that are rioting and protesting and doing all they don't understand that they've been given that freedom to do that. In a lot of countries, they've been lied to. Let's get right down to it. They've been lied to. Yeah. They've been lied to of a narrative that doesn't truly exist. Yeah. And they believe it because of ignorance and, and, who, repi and repetition. And you know who's lying to them? Is other people that have something to gain yeah, from it. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's always money. Yeah, of course. Something, power, money, gain. It's control. And they've been lied to. And they've been lied to. And you and I are sitting here trying to fix it and figure out a way to fix it. But you, they've been lied to for so long. And that's we've allowed them to be lied to. I think, I think to me, it's like, what have I done to fix the lies that have been told to them? Well, you've lived your life in an honest and true nature with high character. That's about as much as you can do. I'm going right. to find a way. We're, we're, we're going to find a way to do more. Well, of course. Well, I am. I have done what I consider oh, you, more. You have done a ton. No, we're, do, we're doing more. But well, I, I think life karma is doing more. Like, yeah. we're, do you want another Abraham Lincoln one? On yeah, freedom? please. Let's do it. At what point then is the approach of danger to be expected? I answer, if it ever reaches, us, it must spring up among us, amongst us. It cannot come from abroad. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Again, a profound statement. Yes. We are, our, our democratic republic 
will be destroyed from within, not outside of us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But that's the only way it works, because if we're a free nation that has enough common facts or common freedoms, we're not going to allow any other nation to come here and change that because we know the power and the beauty of true freedom. There is, if you've gone outside this country, like I know you have, yeah, I've been to Spain and, and Bahamas and you realize the corruption because there is no freedom. I mean, it's simple. Even when you go to Canada, I, I noticed this when I lived in Canada for a couple of years, you go to the supermarket Mm-hmm. And you know how you're in America? I mean, when you're in the United States of America and you go to the supermarket, how many versions of toothpaste are there? Oh, my gosh. What, yeah. 100? Yeah. On the shelves are stocked yep. 100 brands of toothpaste. Yep. You know how many there are in Canada? Mm. Three. Yeah. Yeah, because... And you don't there's... get it because in Canada, it's which is more wax is more socialistic, right? Mm-hmm. And which is a lovely country. I love Canada. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. But they don't have the choice that we have. No, they, they don't. They don't have the competition that and we they have. they traded in certain freedoms for it. Right. And you have a very high tax bracket. You have socialized medicine. Yeah. And there's a lot of benefits. Everything has a trade-off. And yes. everything has a trade-off. And this is where I think we're getting to um, a really critical time. What's happening in this country all has a trade-off. Yeah. And what's it worth to you? And I don't think people really understand what they're giving up and what they're going to get. No. They don't. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Right. Because the people that are doing all the dirty work, eventually, they're not going to have more freedom. They're going to have less freedom. Well, and then they're going to realize they were lied to. And then what happens after that? And because the control is... And because there's control over them, they're not going to get their freedom back. And that's that's when I'm scared. That's the big thing. That's the next wave. Right. That everything you have is no longer yours. Right. And then what? You're a slave. That's so right. I'm going to end with this point. Okay. Anything that this is really, this was a profound feeling I had this morning. And I'm sorry, people, I'm going to go religious. <laughs> Satan, the great devil, the, the great opposer of all freedom. What's his main goal to take away your freedom and make you a slave. That's right. Right. That's his main goal. Because when you're a slave and you're compelled to do everything, you are absolutely miserable. And the opposing plan, whether you believe in Allah or God or Jesus or whatever it is, because every most religions have good and bad, the opposing plan is all about freedom. And freedom to act, not be acted upon. So so this thing can be boiled down to very simple terms. Either you're going to be compelled and your freedom is going to be taken from you, or you are going to have free will and your freedom is going to be expanded. Or you're going to give it up. You're, or you're going to give it up. So, so which one do you want? Which, which, which will you choose? Will you, will you choose to be enslaved? Because in terms of the, the way I'm using slavery right now has nothing to do with your color. I've worked in prisons for three years, and I've worked with these people who are, who are basically in prison and their freedoms are taken from them. And they've learned through awareness and education to be free even though they're incarcerated. And if you can learn to be free while you're incarcerated, when you get out of being incarcerated, you, they actually, and truly they are, their, their mindset, they're, they're actually more free than many people outside of the corrections institutions, yeah. right? So, and, and, and I don't mean to bring that up because there's all sorts of problems in, in our corrections um, 
in our criminal justice system. This is not, I'm not saying anything about that because that's a whole nother topic. But the point is you can be free anywhere. You can be free in prison. You can be free as, as a homeless person. I know because I was homeless and I was free. Right. And if there's anything that we want to, we want to encourage you to do this week, I would say, so declare your independence and live a free life. Is that? That's quite a, that's quite a chore. That's a good challenge. Find it, research it, research what freedom really is. Research those that don't have it and tell me if you want that life. Be Uh, free. Be be free, free. my friends. Be free. We'll have the Beatles take us out. Have a good week. Don't fight like me and Sam all the time. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I said, it's all right. Bask in the sun. Life Karma out. Find that freedom.